You're listening to Weight Loss for Life Coaches, episode 100, with Master Certified Life and Weight Loss Coach, Paige Bowman. Welcome to Weight Loss for Life Coaches, the weekly podcast for coaches who are growing their coaching business and on their weight loss journey. Each week, we'll be tackling why weight loss feels hard and how to make hitting your weight loss goal the simplest thing you do all day. Hello, and welcome to the podcast. I have a very special guest for you today on the podcast. I'm interviewing my husband, Ivan, the person who you hear on the intro of every single episode. Hi, everybody. Okay. So first of all, if I sound sick, I'm getting over a cold and I'm sorry, but I really wanted you to have this episode, this interview on episode 100 because I'm interviewing my husband, Ivan. He's on the podcast today. He is the voice you hear at the beginning of every podcast. That's just how we set it up. I am going to be making that a change. So this will be the last episode you hear him on both as an intro. I mean, sure, maybe I'll bring him on with and do another interview one day. But so Ivan, say hello, introduce yourself. Hello, everybody. I'm Ivan, the voice you hear in every podcast up until this point. And I don't know, maybe the voice you hear in your head too. <laughs> I don't really... <laughs> this is uh, going to be a pretty raw and unfiltered interview. We didn't I, I feel like a lot of interviews that people generally do, they kind of like give the questions ahead of time so they can prepare for it. No, we don't do that here. No, nope. this is <laughs> no. This well, is actually, every other episode or every other interview I've had, I have actually sent them the, the questions. But this is probably just an example of how we work together, which is a question I got from someone to answer on the podcast is I tend to not give him enough information in the beginning. I don't know nope. why. <laughs> my apologies. Yes, it will be. My toes. <laughs> yes, it will be raw. It will be unfiltered. I actually haven't looked at these questions, even though I have the questions. So it's going to be fine. But in the way we're going to do it is I'm going to have him ask me some questions that I know you all want to know about that maybe we just haven't covered on the podcast. And this is, by the way, going to be very life coach, entrepreneur specific episode, not as much about weight loss, but this is something that I would love to hear from if there is a entrepreneur or a coach that I follow and hear about them and their partner and how they do things and hear just more you know, inside info about their relationship, how they handle being, you know, an entrepreneur type family, how they manage things, even though I know how we do it. I think that would be really interesting to hear. And you all had a ton of great questions to ask. So I know you want to hear this too. So the way we're going to do it is first, I just want to, I told him before we hit record, I just want to publicly thank him and acknowledge him on the podcast. And, and then we're going to He's going to ask me a few questions and I'm going to ask him a few questions that we got from you all. And then we're going to answer a couple of questions from each of our perspectives, again, about this lifestyle of being not only a life coach, but an entrepreneur, right? Because you can be a life coach who 
worked for another company, which I think is an amazing thing. It's something I considered for a while. Or you can be, and or you can be a life coach who is a CEO, an entrepreneur who owns their own business and sells their coaching services. And so we are in a unique position where I do both. I'm a CEO of Paige Bowman Coaching and I sell my services. I sell life coaching. I sell you the result. I sell my clients the result of losing weight the simple way and keeping it off. And so what we're going to talk about today is what's it like being married to an entrepreneur, a life coach? How do we handle things? What's it like working together? Because we did work together for a while and Mm -hmm. all that jazz. So first off, I told him I was going to thank him on the podcast because y'all, and I told him I was going to tell this story. I, first of all, I just want to acknowledge not everyone has a partner. So it doesn't mean that you won't be as successful or less successful. I just think that if I didn't have him to help me in my darkest times, I don't know that I would have, I'd be doing this four years in, even in the very beginning when I had barely made, I think it was like $21,000 in 12 months. And I applied to be in Stacey Bayman's 200K mastermind. And you had to first of all, have made $25,000 in your business in one year. And then you had to pay $25,000 to join her mastermind. I didn't have the $25,000. I had to figure out how to get that. And then I had made enough. So I had to go make more money, (laughs) sell more coaching. And I went to my husband and I said, Hey, I want to do this. And he said, do it, do it. Go for it. Are you sure? I feel like I tried to I feel like I do this with you. Like you're so, you believe in me so much. And then sometimes I think I try to talk you out of believing in me. So I don't have to do this scary thing. Mm-hmm. Is that a good assessment? Yeah. yeah, no, it's a good assessment. But I think that's a, I think that's a kind of a normal reaction from some people. Um, Cause I know that generally people tend to be harder on themselves than other people are. And a lot of times when you're trying to convince me about something, it's I can tell that it's really you just trying to give convince yourself mm. or talk yourself out of something. And I think that uh, you know it's it's a, a normal reaction to have, I guess. But I mean, it it didn't change my opinion or perspective on what I thought that you could do. So. I think that is very well said. You all can tell he's married to a life coach. I swear some of the things he says now, I'm like, not that I want to take it away from you because you are very intelligent. You're very mature in how you think about things. But I think since having (laughs) been married, am I? well, sometimes you're mature, but I think like in having been together for so long, we just actually celebrated our six year wedding anniversary I think we were together two years before we got married. So it's been eight years now. Mm. Wild. Wild. (laughs) Almost too long. Okay. (laughs) Cut that out. (laughs) No, just kidding. But yes, I think in how wisely you put it, it's me trying to talk myself out of it or needing you to lift me up because I don't believe enough. And you did. And I have this, this very strong memory of you saying like, yeah, you know, you have made this much, but one day you're going to make a million dollars and it's going to be mm-hmm. worth it. And just being really supportive. 
And I just want to thank you and acknowledge that I would not be here without you. Again, I don't think, I just want to also say for anyone, again, that doesn't have that support system, it doesn't mean you can't do it. I just want to acknowledge that I do have that and I'm very grateful for it. And as we'll talk about, like in working together, you were also very helpful. There's a word I'm looking for, but I can't think of what it is, but it's like you are a very important part of for example, setting up the podcast, which is such a big part of my business too. So integral, integral. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. No, that's it. Yeah. Along those lines, you know, everybody draws motivation from different, different aspects and in, you know, whether it's a, a partner you're self-motivated or, you know, maybe you're doing it for family or whatever, no matter where you draw your motivation from, there's going to be ups and downs to it, whether it be you know, like a, a partner or whatever, because there, there can be some downs to it, um, just as well as, you know, somebody who's trying to execute this without a partner, you know, doing it on their own. Yeah. Um, Agreed. I don't know if I that would, made sense, but yes. And yeah, I think you're right. There are ups and downs either way. And I, that's why I'm like, I'm not saying that you can't do it without support or that it's even I wouldn't even say it's even easier with support as we're going to talk about, you know, there are like, including you in all of my decisions that sometimes being as independent as I am can be hard for me. And I've had to work on that a lot, you know, reminding myself often that we're in this together, even though it's been eight years. (laughs) So, okay. So let's do this again. Thank you. You're amazing. And thank you for coming on to this podcast doing this interview. I had to You're welcome. beg a little bit. That's okay. <laughs> All right. So I'm going to have you ask me some questions. You've got your yeah. list. I've also. I do. And then I'll ask you, and then we will both answer some questions that you all wanted to know about us doing the business thing, living our lives, et cetera. Okay. So the first question we have here for Paige is what were your goals when starting your business? And how have they changed over time? I definitely did not actually look at these or think about them. I just wrote them in a pretty list for us. So you really are getting us raw and unfiltered. (laughs) He just got these questions. Mm -hmm. Like Uh, five minutes ago. (laughs) So my goals from the beginning, honestly, was to try this out. So Mm -hmm. I've talked about this on the podcast, but... I have my master's degree, almost two whole master's degrees in counseling. That's a whole other story. In professional counseling, I finished in, what was it, 2018, which you also were very supportive in. I did not want to finish that because Mm -hmm. at the end of my counseling degree, I realized I didn't want to be a counselor and I didn't quite know for sure what I wanted to do instead. But when I did find coaching and I realized I knew I wanted to own my business, I didn't want to work for a company. I, I did, you know, juggle with that a little bit. But when I realized I wanted to have my business, honestly, my goal was let's try this out. Let's see what happens. Let's go for it. Let's see how many people I can help. And I didn't know for sure it was going to be weight loss in the beginning, but it was like, let's coach some people. I knew I wanted to help people and counseling and coaching in that realm were both and similar in that I wanted to help people. But when I found coaching, I knew that was the way. So I would say my goal from the beginning was honestly, let's, let's see what I can do. Mm -hmm. 
and then how they've evolved over time. I want to say the main thing is knowing one, I wanted to do weight loss and my coach teaches to stick with that for a year. And then if you want to make changes, make changes. And I've been doing this for four years now, over four years. And I'm like committed. I love helping you all lose weight for the last time. I love making it simple. I think I have a very unique perspective. I think I am a unicorn in that sense. And I, I'm not done talking about it. And so I think how my goals have changed over time is I'm even more passionate about helping people with weight loss. And I'm more specific in, I do want to do this for the long run. I'm no longer just throwing spaghetti at the wall to see like if I can do this and have some fun. Now it's like, oh, we've dated for a while. I think I'm ready to do this for the long haul. <laughs> and, you know, run this business for the next 25 years or so. And that is a big change, I would say, even in this year. So that's what I would say for that one. It was really just like, let's see what I can do. And now it's like, oh no, I'm super passionate about this. My business mm -hmm. and I, and me in my business and my, like that whole relationship with myself has evolved over time. That has made it either, okay, we're done with this or we're going to go into this for the long haul. It is kind of like dating. You and I never, I feel like we got serious pretty fast, but I feel like that's like a thing in dating where it's like, okay, let's get to know each other. Let's find out our likes and dislikes, our matches, our non-matches. And then let's, you get to a point where you're like, okay, am I really committed to this or not? I feel like this is a year I've hit that point and I've decided, no, I'm super committed. I want to go all the way. Right. So that's yeah, my and Even at this point. Um, there's still unavoidably some spaghetti throwing involved. I mean, I feel like any type of growth is going to involve some sort of experimentation, you know, so, and, and oh, that's yeah. just, that's just part of the process, but yeah, I get what you're saying. Well, I feel like, and you, you know, I keep you in the know, especially when I'm not doing well. Yeah. I lean on Ivan a lot when I'm not doing well, which another is another thing I'm really grateful for. But it's like, so you you know, you're aware of this, but it's like, I don't know, this year, and I have talked about this on the podcast a little bit, but this year has been just a, a year for me in the sense of really having a hard time figuring out how I want to be as an entrepreneur because it's something's had to change over the last few, like since. I've been doing this over the last few years and yeah, it's, it's been throwing spaghetti at the wall and then realizing, okay, this isn't working. This isn't working. This is working. And so if we are going to do this for the long haul, me and myself as a CEO, then things have to change, but I'm ready and willing to make those changes so that I can keep doing this. Cause I really, do. I think that's an important thing, an important aspect um, about growth as well is there, I feel like there are a lot of people that get kind of set in their ways and it doesn't even necessarily have to do with business, but even, you know, this example, or I guess this, I don't really know what you would call this, this, this applies to a business as well, but there are a lot of people who get kind of set in their ways and they are not as open to change or some people are afraid of change or they get, you know, they get comfortable with a way, a certain way things are done. And you see all the time, the result of 
a closed-mindedness to change or refusal to change. You know, like um, what's a big like Blockbuster, right? Like Blockbuster is a good example of a business that went down because they quite simply just and I and I'm sure there was several other aspects to it, but the the gist of it was that they weren't really keeping up with the times. You know, we were moving on to streaming services and you know that kind of stuff, and nobody was there. There wasn't as much appeal about going and and renting you know, VHS or DVDs or whatever anymore, because you could just do all that stuff online. And, you know, and and that's just one example. So I think it's, I think an important mindset to have is that open-mindedness to change, which is, it's easier said than done for sure, because I had to step away from my career and I didn't want to do that um, because I, I don't know if I feared the change, but I just didn't really have anything planned outside of what I thought I was going to be doing for the rest of my life. But I've, you've helped me with being accepting of that change and being able to step away from an environment that was no longer serving me. But yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's a great point. This is just a good example of like, I'll walk in his office and I'll be like, I'm struggling help. (laughs) This is, this is what will happen is I will tell him my problem and he'll be like, listen, let me life coach you. (laughs) Mm -hmm. But that's actually, I really love that you pointed that out. It is having this mindset of being willing to change. And I think what was happening this year is I was being obstinate. Um, I think that's something I get from both my parents. Love you all. But I was not willing to change things and I was butting up against myself. And so that's Mm -hmm. why I think things are working now for me personally is I'm like, no, wait, this is just how it's going to be and how, and I actually had this revelation recently. I don't think I've told you this yet, but how I have to be willing to be open to change for the rest of my working career, because that's how it works. And I don't know, I never really, like I'm an online marketer, right? Especially listen, if you're coaching, whether it's for somebody else's company or your own, or you're just an entrepreneur, right? You are an online marketer. I don't care if you do in person or online, right? And I was thinking about this the other day, like, oh, as an online marketer, I'm going to have to always be open to change because that's how the world works online. And it just hit me. And then I realized, oh, I'm okay with that. And I just have this, like, this weight has been lifted and you just sum that up. It's like, oh, I finally just opened up to everything is going to be changing all the time. Some things are going to be foundational and that's okay. And just one side note, I think this is, And we have a question about being married. We have a couple of them, but I think this is also a great example of how you and I keep working through and have handled like the ups and downs of both me being an entrepreneur and life and relationship stuff in general is you and I are both open to change. And I think that's what helps make this work is both the marriage and me being able to have a business is you and I are open to changing, evolving and communication. Right. Okay. You got the next question for me? Yeah. So the next one is, how do you balance your professional life as an entrepreneur and your personal life? I'm going to add in a caveat to this one that I know y'all have wanted to know about. And that is like, also as a coach, like how do you balance coaching in your professional life and then your personal life where people might want advice. So I'm just going to lump these in there together. So 
One thing that I've learned over the last four years is having time boundaries is very helpful. I know last year was kind of a rough year in our personal lives and I did not have time boundaries on purpose. I think I was doing a lot of hustling and what I've talked about on the podcast before, buffering from my personal life with work. And that was not good balance. And so this year, part of my work has been having time boundaries so that there's a difference between when I get up and I go to work, even if I literally work across the hall and I shut it down so that when Ivan and I want to hang out or I want to hang out with family, it's clear when I'm available for that. That has been a huge improvement and shift where I can remember, you probably don't remember this as strongly, but especially in like 2019, 2020, the first maybe year or two of doing this, we would want to hang out and I I think we would want to watch a movie and there were multiple times where this happened where I would say like, oh, I can watch like 30 minutes, but I have to go do some work. And it was evening time. And that would just be like a constant, like, yes, I work during the day, but I also need to work at night. Like I need to work way more than 40 hours a week. Like that's just, that was my mindset. And I, I know for me personally, it really cut into our relationship because quality time is important to me and it's important to you too. So having time boundaries has been really helpful. Have you noticed that? No, yeah, I, I definitely noticed. And I, I remember that time too, because that was kind of when you were getting into the rhythm of things. And that was when we realized, so a lot of people say, you know, oh, I, I remember when you were, you, you left where we were working and people were like, oh, you know, that sounds great. She's going to go work for herself. You don't have to work for the man anymore. And it sounds fine and dandy, but I don't think people realize that working for yourself or working for home work, you know, owning your own business is it's all up to you. Like you determine how much money you make, you determine how long you work. And when you work for home, I know, I don't think people realize how difficult it really can be to separate work from just your, your, your personal time when you're in the same environment for both. And I remember you struggling a lot with that because, you know, you, if you're just kind of lounging around the same room that you actually do your work in, it can be really difficult to separate those things. And I remember you started implementing these little things here and there um, you uh, to kind of help you get into the mindset of, okay, I'm going to work and this is, this is, um, this is going to be my work time. And I, you know, kind of mentally getting yourself into that state and may even making little changes to your morning routine. Like, you know, instead of getting up and just sitting at the computer and starting to work in your, in your robe or whatever, you would get up and actually like have coffee, get dressed as if you were going to go out and work somewhere outside. Uh, and that kind of, helps you with getting into the mentality of, okay, it's, it's a work time. And then on the, on the, on the other end of that, being able to say when enough is enough like this, you know, I've, I've stopped my work day. It was hard to find that boundary because there was nobody telling you, okay, you start this time and you stop this time. It was just all kind of up to you. So you kind of feel this 
pressure to just, I got to keep going. Oh, I got to do this. I, oh, I got to write this email, blah, blah, blah. And then, you know, next thing you know, you know, like you were saying, when we were, when we were going to be hanging out or when you had something planned or you wanted to go out somewhere or, you know, spend time with me or some of your friends or whatever, it was, uh, you know, uh, oh, well, I got to do all this other stuff. And it, it took a while, I remember, to get to the point where you could really establish those boundaries because it's not something that people are necessarily used to um, when they've worked, you know, nine to fives their whole life because they're used to those those time boundaries being set for them. And when you're kind of thrown out on your own, it, you know, it sounds great until you're like, oh, I, you know, I don't really know what I'm doing because nobody's telling me what to do. So I'm just kind of throwing spaghetti at the wall. And next thing you know, you just, you're stressed out because you're trying to relax in your work environment and you're trying to work in your relaxing environment. And, you know, I, yeah, I, I get it. And uh, yeah. I, it was definitely noticeable the, uh, the change that took place. And it was, it was definitely a progressive thing. It didn't happen overnight. It took some trial and error and, yep. um, you know, and I get to give a shout out to one of my favorite life coaches I've had, Lauren Cash. She, I'll link her in the show notes, but she works a lot on time. And we just like, we just every week worked on time management, my thoughts about time, everything like he said. And I know you all listening to this are like, I get it. But the reason I wanted him on this podcast is if you do have a partner who maybe does have that nine to five mindset, or if you do, and you still have that nine to five mindset, then maybe even hearing his explanation is helpful and realizing, oh, that's why I struggle with the time boundaries is because no one is telling me and I haven't really thought about it like that. Or if you have a partner who is used to the nine to five and you're like, you know what, it doesn't have to be like that anymore. And maybe you are working more hours and you like that and they struggle with supporting you, maybe even hearing from that perspective of, oh, the reason why you don't like it is because you're from that employee mindset and it's different now, right? Because I don't think you, I don't think a certain number of hours working is like required, like you decide just like your reason, but I love exactly what you said. Like it took me a while, but I did want to work basically nine to five. Those are the hours I literally work. It's so ridiculous, right? It's like, oh, work for yourself, laptop life. Meh, no, <laughs> I eventually literally went back to nine to five. The difference is I don't drive to work. I walk across the hall, right? And he's going to ask me a question about like one of the questions is like, what advice do you have for the partner of the life coach, the partner of the business owner. And I would say this is one of the things I'll just go ahead and say it is think about how they're probably struggling with that, right? The, the coach, the CEO, how they're probably struggling with how to go from a nine to five mindset to showing themselves when to shut it down and how that's probably struggled and how it's probably an eight to seven in the beginning or right? They're struggling with that. And then they're going to figure out how to create those own, their own time boundaries. And just realizing that that's a tough, that's, that's a tough time. That's a struggle. It took me a while. And so having understanding would be something I'd recommend because that's what I appreciate from you is you never made me feel bad for like you guilt tricked me sometimes, but you never really me. Made me. <laughs> I would never. 
Okay. <laughs> no lies on the podcast. But you never really made me feel bad for like the time when I was like figuring out all this stuff. And I, I don't know if you knew, but I knew I was going to figure it out. So I appreciated that you were getting on to me about it because I knew I was on the way. So mm. that would be one of my piece of pieces of advice for someone who is in a relationship with a coach, business owner, and entrepreneur is have understanding and compassion if they are working more or past that nine to five is it's a struggle. And then just maybe even have that open, honest conversation of, Hey, are you working on changing this? Are you working on getting hours that works for our family? Um, because I know it can be hard to have quote unquote normal hours as an entrepreneur. And I just want to like make sure we're on the same page. So that would be for a question you're gonna ask me in a second. But that's and the other the only other thing I'll say for this question of how do I balance my professional life, being an entrepreneur, being a coach, one is and I wanted to say this while you were on the podcast, Ivan, is I used to coach him. I used to, in the very beginning, listen, if you're a life coach school trained, I swear this happens to every single life coach school, not because of them, but because this is just what happens, is you learn the model and you learn how to hold space and not be in the pool. These are all like LCS terms. And then you go to all your friends and your partner and your family and you want to just like coach them all. Mm-hmm. And I did that. And you also wanted, like, you would ask me questions and I would just go right into coaching. And that worked for like six months. And then it stopped working and I do not coach you anymore. <laughs> and that is how I balance my professional life as a coach. And my personal life is I don't coach my husband. I don't coach my friends. I don't coach my family. I obviously don't like bring my weight loss stuff to any conversations unless someone asks me because I don't believe in pushing that on people. If people have questions or if they want me to talk to them about something, then of course I'm open to it. Same with Ivan. But do you have anything to say about the the coaching you? So <laughs> I so I did in the early on when when you were kind of like uh going through all this uh you know the the life coaching school stuff and teaching me about the model and all that. It, it reminded me a lot of, I, I used to be a, an RTA when I was in the army, the resilience training. Um, and it, I, I don't really know of a, of a good like baseline way to explain it, but it, it, it's, it's, I would argue that it's somewhat within the realm of kind of what life coaching is as well, yeah. but it's, you know, it's obviously it's directed towards soldiers, but it can be uh, applicable to everybody and it, it was, you know, it was interesting seeing sort of the the parallels in what you would learn um, as a life coach and what you would learn as a um, resilience trainer or a, a master resilience trainer or whatever. And but the the downside is that that was kind of why it also stopped working for me was because you know it's easy to teach the steps or teach the models or you know, what, you know, read it out of a textbook, but then when it comes to actually applying it yourself, it's definitely a lot easier said than done. And I, I know that you felt this way. And I remember feeling this way too, like almost feeling like kind of a hypocrite, like, Oh, I've been teaching people this stuff. And, you know, I've seen that it works for other people, but now that I'm going through this and I'm trying to apply it to myself, it doesn't really 
it doesn't really feel genuine, um, I guess. And I know that that can be a a struggle, but I mean, it's I not remember. that it's not that you wouldn't take the coaching. That's not I don't think that's what made it hard. I think for me on my end of things is I want to coach someone that's all in and is committed to right. making a change. And I feel like what I realized with you is you'd come to me more to like hear you and not necessarily yeah. like try to get you to change, especially if like if it was work stuff. And so right. there for a little while, I'd be like, hey, do you want coach page or wife page? And, you know. Yeah. And honestly, that's and that's probably why, you know, what it, like with counseling or, you know, therapy, for instance, you you can't counsel or give therapy to like a family member or something like that. As far as I'm, it, that's, that's actually how it is, right? Like you, yeah. you legally. Um, and I'm sure, you know, that I can see why there'd be reasons for that. Like you said, there's the, that level of investment. You know, if you have like a friend or somebody that you're really close to, obviously you're going to respect their opinion, but there's also sort of an aspect of, I don't really want to say you're not going to take them as seriously, but that's honestly kind of what it really is. Is it's It's different when you hear something from, an actual coach or a therapist or a counselor or whatever versus something that you heard from your wife or a friend. And, you know, I, I guess money could be a part of it. Um, but I think it's a little bit more than that because if you have sat down and said, okay, I'm going to, you know, I, I've decided to commit to seeing this therapist or seeing this life coach and, you know, going through these steps, it's different than just kind of like an offhand you know, oh, give me some advice yeah. from your wife or a friend or something like that. And so I, I you know, I, I understand, you know, that now the, the difference and in, in why it doesn't really work the same trying to coach somebody that you're, you have that sort of like personal connection or relationship with um, yeah. like a family member, a friend or something like that. It's, it's different. Yeah. And I would say like, for for the coach, especially who has a partner or family member that's going through it and that's all you want to do. One thing that's really helped me is, is just let people like have their suffering, like let people have their, their emotions. I also mm -hmm. worked with my first one-on-one -on -one coach in 2019. Her name is Rhonda and she helped me in relationships and uh, she helped me with people pleasing. It was like the first thing that we worked on was no longer people pleasing. And one of the things she's taught me was let people have their emotions and especially Ivan, right? Because him being my husband, let him have his emotions. And that's what makes it easy for me to not feel like I need to coach you is like, well, if he's, I don't have any emotions, <laughs> it's super easy to deal with. If there's no emotions, uh, there's no problems. Uh, Y'all, this is what I deal with. This is it. In case you didn't know. Um, the perfect no. client. It's because you can have your anger and sadness and grief and, mm -hmm. and all the emotions. And I can let, like, I, as a former people pleaser, can let you have your emotions and not need to change them. So it's actually quite easy for me to be a coach and separate out my professional life and personal life is I know when it's time to coach. And I know in my personal life that all my friends, my family, my husband, 
they can have their emotions. I don't feel the need to coach them or to get them out of that. That's how I would answer that one. Next question. Okay. So what is the biggest challenge you face in managing both our relationship and your business? What's the biggest challenge? I can't imagine there's any challenge in managing our relationship. So really, this question is just about your business. (laughs) (laughs) I wish you could see my face. Okay, so this is something I don't, you know, I asked Ivan if we could talk about, but I have, I don't think I've talked about this on the podcast, but I am the breadwinner. So we are, we live off of, you know, my, I pay us a paycheck and that's how we live. I have retired Ivan and I would say from that perspective as an entrepreneur and as the breadwinner, the biggest challenge I face is in letting like what I feel like are the quote unquote pressures of that seep into my relationship. And Ivan knows this. We've had many discussions about it and Again, I'm going to shout out another coach I work with, Nicole. I will also put her stuff in the show notes. She and I have been working together for over a year. And I think she's the reason. Obviously, she's not the reason. But working with her is one of the biggest reasons that I feel like I'm not just treading, but I'm swimming. I don't know what this metaphor is, but (laughs) she's helped me feel. And I've talked about my money stuff on the podcast, but... She's the reason and the work I do with her is the reason that I feel like I can handle being the breadwinner and an entrepreneur and still have a well-managed mind about my business and be the wife I want to be in a relationship. But I would say that's the biggest challenge is in, I mean, listen, I get it. I mean, one of the statistics that makes me the most sad is I think it's like the highest suicide rate is or I don't know if it's white, but like males in their fifties that work in these corporate jobs, you know, are the breadwinners of the families. This might actually be a really old stat. So don't like hold this to me, hold, hold it to me, but I get it. I'm like, oh yeah. When you're the breadwinner and how strongly we like make money me or what we make money mean and all that jazz and being an entrepreneur where you're in control of the money, especially if you've been an employee all your life, where you aren't in control of the money, someone pays you, you just sit there and do the work and a paycheck just automatically gets sent to your inbox or your mailbox or directly into your account and shifting that mindset to no, you're in charge. And really you always have been, you've just been thinking about it differently as an employee. And and also you're in, it's up to you to make sure your family is fed. Like, whoa. I get it. And they need life coaches because I I don't know if I could do this without a life coach and honestly, without a supportive partner. So, and I would say I'm, you know, it's why I feel so confident in coaching and life coaching and why I feel strongly in selling coaching as a product, right? I mean, obviously you're not just paying for coaching or paying for what you receive as my client. But the one of the reasons I feel so compelled to be a coach and help people, for example, lose weight is because of how much coaching in many different areas 
has positively affected me and how I feel like I would be on a very different track, very different track of life if it weren't for coaching. So that's the biggest challenge. And I also, you know, if it weren't for my relationship with God, I think I also don't know how I'd be able to do this. So there's, but I think God put coaching right in my face. I think he, he did it multiple times and I finally like perked up. I was like, Oh, what's this thing coaching? So I think for me, it all boils down to, he's got me, my husband has me and coaching exists in my lifetime. And so I'm going to pay a lot of money to kick my mind coach. And that's how I handle what feels like the biggest challenge for managing our relationship and my business. Do you have anything you want to say on that one? You know, you were, you were saying um, that you, you were looking at the statistics of the, the, the suicide rate and how it kind of aligned with it being the traditional, I guess, breadwinners of the house uh, that have worked, worked corporate jobs their whole lives, you know, and I, I definitely can see, first of all, I I do want to say on record that you were not always the breadwinner. True. We, you know, we did a flip flop and Mm -hmm. we kind of, you know, we would tag out and uh, that was kind of the system that we had for a while (laughs) and, and, you know, it was great. Um, And, uh, you know, I was, I was thankful for that because not a lot of, not a lot of people have uh, the opportunity to do that sort of thing. But I do know that when I had those same feelings too, when, when, when I was the breadwinner and Mm -hmm. on top of that, um, I was also struggling with coming to terms with how I felt about the career I had made for myself. And, um, I remember it was something that I didn't want to accept that I needed to step away from it, even though it was becoming a problem for me, both mentally and physically, it was taxing. And there was a lot of, uh, internal conflict that had gone unaddressed for so long. And I had in my mind, the same stigma that I'm sure a lot of other people have where I'm like, it, it doesn't matter how you feel. I got to keep doing this. You know, I got to keep, I got to support my wife. I got to support my family. And, you know, even if it kills me and to be honest, it kind of almost did get to that point. And it took a lot for, for me to step away from what I was doing and be able to accept not being the breadwinner anymore mm-hmm. and being able to accept that the thing that I spent my entire professional life uh, getting good at and moving up in and really dedicating myself to was kind of destroying me. And, and it, it was for the most part, a pretty thankless job. And that's why I, had a pretty good understanding of why aside from marital obligation, why it was important to be um supportive figure in your life is because I knew what it was like to kind of really be dedicated to something and really like try to push myself through things that I probably shouldn't have pushed myself as far as I had without really a whole lot of support. Mm-hmm. Um, and it can be, it can be really damaging so it it took me some time to you know it i i have had friends who 
you know, even my former boss was like, oh, it sounds like the life, you know, your, your wife gets to, she's got her own business and does whatever she wants to do. And you just get to relax and sit at the house and blah, blah, blah. It sounds great, but it really like, that was something that was really difficult for me to come to terms with. And even after I did um, finally decide to take the step away and accept that that was a life that I no longer wanted to pursue, I still felt a great suspense. Like I felt like I was in suspense all the time. Cause it, it was like, this doesn't feel right. I, you know, she's doing all this. And I kind of feel, it made me feel like I was like, I don't know, irresponsible or like not, not pulling my weight. And so I just really felt like this constant restlessness and this drive to be like, I got to figure something out. I got to, you know, despite all of the things that that was going on with me and and it was really detracting from my motivation to do some self-care uh, I still was just kind of like, I, I saw the struggles that you were going through and I, I just, it, I, I felt this immense like guilt and suspense and, um, it wasn't as, it wasn't as cush as they made it out to be whenever you've mm-hmm. got somebody mm-hmm. else being the breadwinner for you. But you know, it's, it's, I, I still have some, uh, lingering, guilt and suspense, you know, if I'm, if I'm being honest, but I, 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 that's kind of why I've tried to lean in more on trying to support you and your business, because I found that that kind of helps me, I guess, still feel useful, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I guess, yeah. I guess that would be my, my piece of that. Well, I think, and this goes down to, again, the the last question he was going to ask me is what advice do you have for coaches or entrepreneurs who have partners? And mm. this would be my second answer apart from like, you know, helping them understand the time boundaries and the employee to entrepreneur mindset around time. My second piece would be like, you never really know what they're going through at the same time as what you're going through. So like ask and listen, like I knew for the most part, everything you just said, because I, I have asked and we've talked about it, but yeah, it also took like us. I feel like we got into an argument and then you finally told me all about that. And since then I've been more open to like asking you how you're feeling and, and also us needing to be clear about, Hey, if you say that what you just said, it doesn't mean it's now time for me to try to make you feel better and then feel guilty myself. And then if I tell you about feeling pressure, it's not time for you to feel guilty and try to right. relieve the pressure, right? It's like, we've had to learn that as well, how to communicate these things without feeling like the perpetrator or whatever, like the bad guy on the other end of it. Mm-hmm. So what I would say is for you coach or entrepreneur, remember that your partner is going through a whole other heap of things on this side or on the other side of your journey And you don't know what they're going through because it's different, right? You, whether they still work and they're just married to entrepreneur or coach or they're, you know, like Ivan, they don't work anymore. Or right now you don't know because you're not going through it. So ask and listen and don't listen as if you have to fix it. Listen as if you want to be a part of their world and 
and you all can be in each other's worlds without feeling like you're now the guilty party. It's more of what if the goal was just understanding each other? Right. Yeah. And, you know, earlier when you were talking about managing the relationship and talking about how communication was a key part of that, you know, I know that was on me too. You know, it's a two-way street and you were saying that you didn't, you know, I hadn't really said anything about it. And that's just kind of how I was. That's, that was my mindset. Like I, I, even to this day, I struggle with asking for help. I'm the kind of, I was kind of just the kind of person who I'm like, I'll, I'll just figure this out on my own. I don't, you know, I don't want to have to ask people for help or, you know, so I, you know, on my end, I, I really didn't communicate uh, what I was going through until it was almost too late. And that kind of added to the stress of it. So I think that, you know, when, when it comes to the communication, it's important that it comes from both sides because, you know, like she was saying, you, you, you don't know what the other person is going through and they will never know if you don't tell them. And that yeah. was something that I had to kind of push through is like being able to vocalize the things that I was going through and actually ask for help as much as I really didn't want to. But yeah. Yeah. I mean, and the other, what you just brought something up that made me think about it is like, you actually don't ask, which is like, I just learned that you don't, but that doesn't mean like in our relationship from the beginning, one of our biggest problems was I wasn't open about the things I was struggling with. So I've been working on that over the last eight years. And so now I've realized he doesn't ask, but it's not because he's not thinking about me. He just doesn't ask, but that doesn't mean it's not my job to make sure I'm open and I communicate my needs or what's going on with me. And I've gotten really good at that. Or I think I have, I've gotten way better at that. And almost too good. Like sometimes, <laughs> sometimes okay. it's a little too much, you know, like, <laughs> all right, now we're going to talk about this later. No, I'm just kidding. Okay. Now people have questions for you, Ivan. Oh boy. Now you're on the house. You sure you want these answers? <laughs> yes. That's why I brought you on and we can edit anything I don't like out. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> that you don't edit the podcast anymore we're gonna talk about that okay mm. number one what's it like being married to a life coach slash entrepreneur because you get the best of both worlds so give us like the best things or best thing and the worst things so i think being married to a life coach has definitely helped me out more than i care to admit openly and, you know, like we were talking about before, despite having a certain training, like, you know, a set of training and like thinking that you have the, these skill sets to be able to work through certain things, nobody can do everything on their own. You know, even if you don't have a partner to support you, I think that people in general, regardless of whether you admit it or not, because I know that I certainly wouldn't have admitted it and i still won't <laughs> uh the, you people need support that's just kind of human nature um that is a driving factor and being married to a life coach definitely helped with a lot of things that i struggled with that required how do i put it 
sort of a like a, a more strategic and mature approach to something you know for a lot of aspects and it helped me with when i was struggling with my my work when i was struggling with things in my personal life for sure when i was struggling with you know other relationships with uh, friends and family and i you know i've i've definitely learned a lot along the way and uh, it's it's funny because um, I will often take the very same steps or advice or little snippets that she gives me uh, whenever I need to hear those things. And when she's struggling with something along the same lines, and I'm like, "Hey, how about these steps? What if it what if it wasn't a problem?" Oh what my if- gosh, it makes me so mad. <laughs> What if you could do these things without it being so stressful? What it if, makes, y'all, what if indeed? I need to know if this makes other people mad too. I get <laughs> so frustrated. I'm like, listen, <laughs> don't coach me. Don't use my to own, hear words. Your own words. <laughs> yeah. But it's, you know, it's, it goes, it, you know, it, and, it, and that's in line with what I was saying earlier about how sometimes even if you know the steps or even if you have these strategies or methods for dealing with certain things sometimes you just got to hear it from somebody else uh sometimes you just got to have somebody else's help to kind of put things in a different perspective than what you're used to um and that can be more helpful than you might think it would be and then you know being married to an entrepreneur uh has definitely opened my eyes to a lot of things and one of the biggest things was like we were talking about earlier the 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 time management thing and you know realizing that uh working from home and working for yourself isn't necessarily all you know unicorns and rainbows it's not as cush as everybody mm-hmm. kind of thinks that it might be because i mean you you still got to work Yep. And however much work you put in is however much money you make. And even if you put in a ton of work, that doesn't always mean that you're going to make a ton of money. You know, you, when you're working for somebody else, you've got a, you've got a paycheck, you've got an hourly or salary or whatever the case may be. You always know what's coming when you work for yourself. You don't know, like it's, mm-hmm. it's up in the air a lot and it can definitely be a struggle and it can take some adjustment if you're not used to sort of not knowing what's coming, not yeah. knowing what to expect. Cause you know, like I was saying, you, you could put in a ton of work and do all kinds of stuff and make nothing. And sometimes you could barely do anything and somehow just, it comes rolling in and you're like, I, I don't know what I did to, <laughs> to warrant this, you know, uh, it could go either way. And yeah. you know, that, that was something that was very interesting to me because even, even I, kind of had the same mindset whenever you uh left where we were working before to take your business full time I thought oh that sounds great you know I'd love to I'd love to work for myself nobody tells me what to do except me and I make all the money that I want but then 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 I started to see the struggles and I was like oh you know that yeah that can be pretty rough <laughs> yeah sometimes I know um Brooke Castillo, she does the Life Coach School podcast. Sometimes she'll say, I just dream on some days, like when it just gets so hard about like being a hostess at a restaurant. And I'm like, mm-hmm. and I have those experiences. The grass is, the grass is always greener on the other yep. side. We went, I went to um, 
I think I needed to go to the bathroom at a Cracker Barrel or something recently. And I went inside and I used to waitress at Cracker Barrel and it's around the holiday season right now. And you got really good discounts in the Cracker Barrel store and um, they had the best Christmas decorations. And I walked in and I was like, man, <laughs> what I wouldn't give to be a hostess at Cracker Barrel. <laughs> That'd be my only job. And all I had to worry about was going to work and seating people. And I'm like, I get it. Sometimes you gotta, mm -hmm. you gotta like envision that. But yes, I think that um, I like that you did both, right? Like the, cause the coach and entrepreneur, like I talked about earlier, you're not necessarily both, but when you are, there are interesting sides of each. And, mm -hmm. and I, I will say this for um, both, you know, whether the coach or the partner is listening to this episode is it's one of the things I love about coaching is, um, and I think, I don't remember, I think Maggie Reyes, she is a, a marriage coach. She has the MBA. I'll also link her in the show notes. Um, she's a peer of mine, but she has this saying where she says it takes just one person to change a marriage or, you know, fix things or whatever. I can't remember exactly how she says it, but not to say like Ivan doesn't do anything to help us, but I think and we've talked about this before, like being married to a life coach, it does from our experience make things easier when we get into a tiff or an argument or we're not like things we're on the same page because when you are a life coach, you just happen to have these skills, like, right, these mind management skills, the emotion management skills that does make it easier to handle those things. It doesn't mean that it automatically is. And I have hired coaches to help me with this stuff. But because of that, I think that I I wouldn't be the wife I, would, I, I am now. And I'm very proud of how I show up in my marriage if it weren't for the work I've done with coaching. And so I would even add that piece like, oh, being married to a life coach, like, oh, that that brings this very similar to you. You bring that set of resilience training skills, which I think are similar, but are different to a marriage. So like even me thinking about being married to someone who went through that training, I think is um, such a bonus. So I'm basically giving myself a pat on the back here, but. <laughs> <laughs> I'll okay, give you so... a pat on the back too. <laughs> and you. Um, okay. What you may have already answered this, but what has surprised you the most about, because we were married We've been together four years before I went mm -hmm. full life coach and then another year before I went full entrepreneur. You knew me before and then I made these changes. So I'm curious, like what has surprised you the most in that transition now that we're four years in to coaching and entrepreneurship? I don't really know. I'm not particularly easily surprised by a lot of things because I, I really did believe in what you were doing and where you wanted to be. And if I, if I had any doubts about it, I don't think that I would have put all my chips on the table with yeah. trying to help you get to where you wanted to be. Because one of the ways that I saw it was you were sure that this is what you wanted to do. This was your dream. Um, this is how you wanted to grow. And for me, I was kind of getting into the that area of my life where I, I wasn't sure. 
what I was going to do with myself after I, you know, stepped away from all that. And so I kind of shifted all of that focus onto trying to help you out because I saw that you had more, you had, you had reached a point where you had more focus than I did, I guess. And, and so, uh, and more determination. And so I wanted to really like be supportive for you since I was still, since, you know, I was still trying to figure things out. And, you know, er earlier we were talking about the, the time management thing. That was something that kind of surprised me too. Cause I, that, you know, I hadn't really thought about the separation of work and, and home when you're working at home as an entrepreneur. And I remember one of the things that you told that you would tell me often when I would come pester you is oh, I'll pretend I'm in the office, just pretend I'm not even here. Yep. And uh, that was something that I had to get used to, but I can only imagine how difficult that would be for entrepreneurs who work from home and have kids because I would imagine that kids have a more difficult time grasping that concept of I'm in work mode right now, mm -hmm. you know, leave me alone. <laughs> yep. I'm trying to get stuff done. Um, and I, I would imagine that a lot of people struggle with trying to juggle, oh, you know, my, my, my kids see me here at home, the, you know, my, my dog or my cat sees that I'm at home. My husband sees them at home. My wife sees that I'm at home. And when I'm at home, you know, that how do I convey that I'm not, I don't have the same availability as if I were not working because I'm working right now, you know, and if it was something that I had to get used to, I can only imagine how much of a struggle it would be for other people who have kids that are, are not really going to be as understanding of like, Oh, well you're home. So why don't, why don't you spend all <laughs> your time with me instead of, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. I love so, how you're like, I, I imagine how hard it is for kids. It's still hard for you. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, no, it is. Yeah. I, I still go pester her. Yeah. I just, uh, I'm a little bit more selective about when, like if she's on a call or whatever, I'll, uh -huh. I'll peek in and see she's on a call. But if she's just writing emails or whatever, oh, absolutely. I will come pester her. <laughs> yeah. So still working on it. Uh, that's, I actually really am glad you said that because that's, that's another thing that, I mean, there for a little while, we just moved recently to, um, from Georgia to Indiana. But when we lived in Georgia, I found an awesome co-working space that I would go to, to get more of my deep work done. Y'all know if you've been listening to podcasts, I'm obsessed with Cal Newport's work with deep work and digital minimalism. And I haven't found my deep work set up yet. I'm still working on it. So uh, I will say this. I do also go pester him because I like my husband. So I also just want to be like, Hey, mm -hmm. and, I, and I use him to distract myself as well. Sometimes. Mm -hmm. so, Let me so, tell you, I can tell when she's bored because she'll come in and stare at me like a child. And I'm like, you don't have anything to do right now. Do you, you gotta, or, come, make, you gotta come bother me because you're bored <laughs> or I'm buffering. Or she's buffering. Yeah. And I, I don't know if that's a term that you picked up from life coaching. That was something yeah. else that I learned from being married to a life coach is what buffering was. I'm like, ah, <laughs> yeah. oh, I do that all the time. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and and I feel like, do. I feel like to be honest, uh, um, I, I do feel like that you struggle more with it than I do because you have a more difficult time 
committing to even a hobby or something and you're like, oh, well, I want to do this, but I also want to do this and I want to do this. Uh, it's too many things I want to do. Now I don't want to do anything. I'll just go bother Ivan. <laughs> wow, we're just like putting it all out there. Airing the I, dirty laundry. Airing yeah. it out. And I think that is a little bit of what I'm learning about having a neurodivergent brain, which is also why I like, like working with my coach, Nicole, she specializes in that for people, um, like money coaching for those with diver neurodivergent brains. But that's something I'm learning about myself is why it's so hard for me to stay focused and commit to one thing. But yes, I use my husband as a cop out for <laughs> a lot of those things or, and I will say, you know, I teach don't run to the kitchen, right? When things get hard and I don't do that anymore. But sometimes instead of running to the kitchen, I just run to my husband's office. And I'm like, hey, what you doing? Are you busy? Exactly like that. And I'm like, so, what do you want? Wait, I work on I'm working yeah. on it. Okay. So speaking of that, what have you learned or picked up from both being around me? And I don't know um, if I've ever said this on the podcast, but you actually helped me start the podcast mm -hmm. and I've done most things on my own in my business, but you helped me start it, get it on the road. I, that would have been, I think, very hard for me. Um, mm -hmm. And you edited, I mean, 40 plus episodes of the podcast until I hired who currently edits my podcast, Sharon. She's amazing. Shout out uh, to Sharon. Yes. I will also link her in the show notes. So what, yeah, I'm, I'm curious. This is my question. What have you learned or picked up from both being around me, but also listening to 40, the first 40 episodes of the podcast? There were a lot of times where whenever I was editing the podcast, I would hear little snippets of things that you would talk about that even if they were directed at life coaches or other entrepreneurs or people who are wanting to lose weight really were a lot more widely applicable than I think that you may have realized. And I would sometimes catch myself really like listening to what I was supposed to be editing as if I were just a listener and I would kind of fall into this. I don't really know how to describe it, but it, it, it was almost like um it's like it's like um like when you watch a TED talk or something like that and you have a speaker come on and they start talking about something that hits a little too close to home and it can be really captivating mm -hmm. and um sometimes i would catch myself really like oh that's that sounds that's really helpful and it uh even if it wasn't directed at you know if i was i wasn't the kind of person that was the target audience it really did help me. Um, and I, I remember in particular, you did one of your um, your outside episodes, which I remember being a huge pain to to edit because of the cicadas screeching in the background and all the birds <laughs> chirping in the cars and stuff, trying to suppress all the background noise. But um, I had to listen to one of those over and over again. And I remember um, it started raining and um, you were talking about, um, you said something along the lines of, how people can really be hard on themselves and life can be hard. And you, you said something along the lines of, uh, you know, it, it's okay to be how you are now. And, and I don't remember what the exact quote was, but I remember that stuck with me, like life can be hard and, you know, we, 
I think that might've been around, you know, people were, we were, we were coming down off the, the kind of the, the COVID craze mm, yeah, and people were readjusting to uh, a different lifestyle post COVID. And, um, it was, I think it was a difficult time for everybody, but I, I know that also just happened to be, um, around the time when I was tr- still trying to, uh, come to terms with the fact that I had stepped away from something that I had dedicated basically my life to. Mm-hmm. And I was really being hard on myself, harder than anyone had ever been on me. And it, you know, little stuff like that helped me out, um, a lot, uh, listening to those podcasts. And, you know, I, I had never, I'd never edited podcasts before I had listened to some of them and I, you know, I kind of had, had an idea of how they're formatted, but I did used to do a little bit of uh sound engineering uh, when I was younger. So I kind of had um, a little bit of experience that just happened to align with being able to help you out with yeah. getting the podcast started and uh, editing those first what you said it was 40 episodes yeah you did like 40 Holy plus cow yeah yep. mm-hmm. um and i will admit not not all of the episodes were as engaging you know a lot of it was just like <laughs> listen to the same thing over and over and it would eventually just turn into you know like charlie brown the the, the wah, 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 wah. What the heck? <laughs> it's happening right um, now I don't get to listen to the same thing over and over again to troll when you're when you're editing. That's you know, but yeah. there there definitely was a lot more things in the podcast that I found to be surprisingly helpful. Mm-hmm. And you know, a lot of those things I added to my arsenal to fire back at you whenever you come to me for help and, <laughs> oh. and then you hate it. <laughs> good to know. That's where they came from. Okay. Yeah. Um, and I I thought I thought it was a good experience. Um yeah. and you know what? It was, it was fun. It was, it was not always fun. Sometimes it was a a ton of work, but I, I enjoyed it and I thought it was really helpful, not just for me, but I'm sure it was very helpful for uh, a lot of people that, that listen. And, you know, I even would send some of the clips to some of my friends to help them out. And they'd be like, oh, your wife really knows what she's talking about. That's really deep. And yeah. I'd be like, yeah, don't, don't tell her that this is, that, that it helped me. You know, I, I don't want her to know. <laughs> but, uh, well, okay. So on that, one of the questions I got was, um, what's it like working together? So we don't know we, so he, that was the main thing he helped me with, which was still a really big thing. I think there were other small things you helped me with actually, like doing a landing page and my emails in the beginning as well. Mm-hmm. Not in the beginning. I did a lot of, I did a lot of graphic work. Graphics. For well. Yes. So I'd like for us both to answer that, like, what's it been like working together? But I just want to say we don't now. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> there's a reason. But for we that. did work together. We've worked together quite a lot. Um, oh, you that's know, a good when point. We, when you met, when we, when you met, when we met, uh, you know, we were deployed together and uh, we worked together on a lot of things. Well, and, um, okay. But then we had, so we, we, we were deployed together. That's how we met. We started dating. Mm-hmm. Um, but we worked in different offices and we worked on different missions. So we worked Mm -hmm. together, but then we worked in, in Georgia together. So back Mm -hmm. home, we got a job, he got a job and then I got a job at the same place. But again, we were on different teams and I wasn't the boss. (laughs) And Mm -hmm. so 
I think that working together under an employee was fine, but as an entrepreneur and it's my business, there's a reason why we don't work together now. So, Mm -hmm. okay. From my perspective, this is what it is. And this might be helpful for any partners who do work together. I know um, there are a couple of you out there. One thing is like working styles. If you can figure that out and then, for example, Ivan doesn't see time the way I do. So I don't think I it's just don't see time. You don't you don't see all. time. <laughs> time is a construct, an <laughs> abstract <not> construct <laughs> invented by the man to keep us down. It, okay. <laughs> it is a construct. We agree on that. But I this is where it didn't work is one, I am I can be the worst at wanting something done. Like when I think about something being done, that's when I want it done. And I had to really work on that. And I'm still working on that with my team. But with Ivan, I would be like, oh, I want this done. And here's what I want it done. And he sees time and then he no longer sees time. And so we would not be on the same page with time. I think our biggest conflict there was that uh, if if I were to sum it up, we have very different working styles. Yeah. She is very um, time oriented and I am very mm. detail oriented. Yeah. And those don't always necessarily mesh mm-hmm. as well as you might think. When they do mesh, uh, you know, you can accomplish some pretty, some pretty cool things. But yep. uh, a lot of the times uh, it would cause us to butt heads a lot, not only yeah. because we had different working styles, but also our personalities. We have... I feel like we both have very headstrong personalities. Mm-hmm. And so we would tend to um, butt heads quite a bit um, yeah. on a lot of things in addition to having those differences in our working styles. Um, yeah. yeah. And it's so funny. I swear. So we're on Zoom right now recording and... <laughs> He doesn't work for me anymore. He doesn't edit the podcast anymore. And I told him, You don't tell me what to do. <laughs> <laughs> I said, Hey, uh, you're going to get on my Zoom. And that's how we're going to do the podcast. And he was like, Zoom, why are you using Zoom? And he had all these opinions. And I was like, Oh my gosh, just get on Zoom. And I was like, This Zoom is- has terrible audio quality. This just, this, this ain't right. This ain't how you do it. This is. <laughs> I was like, we're going to talk about this. This is, it's not why we don't work together anymore, but it's an example of like, there's something about like getting into a tiff is so easy with your partner. That's how I find it to be. Whereas if it's like my VA or my podcast editor, like you just, we just will, we'll just pop off at each other. That's how Ivan and I are. And I think for me personally, I had to work on how to delegate and I feel like it was hard to learn how to delegate when the person I was delegating to was my husband. So I think that's for me what I struggle with and I'm still figuring out how to be a good delegator and not micromanage. I think I I struggled with that with you, but I'm really working on not micromanaging anymore and letting my people take care of things and trusting them. But I think I, that, I think I think that you know setting aside the fact that I'm your husband, I think the skill of delegation can be a difficult thing to master, um, regardless of who you're trying to delegate to. It it is often easier said than done to delegate. Um, because I remember you telling me um that 
sometimes it's just easier to, or it feels easier to just say, oh, I'm gonna just going to do this myself because I feel like it would take less time for me to just do all this stuff than try to teach somebody else how to do it. Because now I feel like I'm taking up time that I could be getting things done, uh, trying to teach somebody how to do it. And even though it might help you out in the long run, in the moment, it can be difficult to be able to find the patience to teach somebody how to do something a certain way or how to do something at all than it would be to just do it yourself. And I know that 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 can be a struggle for a lot of people. And I know like whenever I did instruction or whenever uh, I would hand over some work to another group or, you know, whatever, it, it takes practice to be able to effectively delegate certain tasks so that it's actually beneficial for you in the long run, as mm -hmm. opposed to just kind of be like, Oh, I need this done. And then you basically doing all the work yourself, trying to micromanage or like stressing out about, Oh, well, I don't have to spend the time to do this. So I'm just going to do it myself. And then, then that person never learns and you're just stuck with the stress of doing the thing yourself all yeah. the time. Um, so I, I know I can, I, that was something that I definitely noticed something that I've also experienced, um, is trying to learn the skill of delegation that can be arguably a make or break thing, especially if you own your own business, you, you, you can't do everything yourself. You are eventually going to have to learn how to delegate to other people, especially if your business continues to grow. Yeah. And even if it's even if it's not business, it's just a good skill to have, you know, in general, in life, I guess, oh, yeah. um, being able to learn how to effectively delegate. And I'd argue like that's something with being someone who's working on managing time and money and all those things is delegating myself. So I love that perspective, but here's what I'll say. I don't, I know people who work together and who are partners or married or whatever, and that works. I, I think the thing is for me on my side of things, because we don't, he doesn't work for me anymore. And I don't plan on changing that. And I, you know, you know, this, I've told you this before, but I want people on my team who are all in on my business and my mission. And that's how I want to run it. I don't, and maybe I'll need to change my mind later, maybe not, but I don't want just employees. I want people who are committed to the mission I'm committed to. And I think I, you're, you believe in me so much, but you aren't all in on my business like I am. And so I wanted, I would rather hire people who are either like, that's just their job. And so I don't have to teach them or that's just, right. this is just me, or they're all in on my mission and they want to help me continue building this business up. And I feel like you do that as my support system and not as an employee of the business. Yeah. And I was, def I was understanding of that because, you know, I, I, even though I had, um, skill sets that was, that I was able to use definitely to help you get things started and, you know, getting the podcast started, doing a lot of the, the graphic work and, some other technical things in the background, you know, I, when it comes down to it, it was your passion, mm -hmm. not mine. Yeah. And so even though I tried my best to help out where I could and be as supportive as I could, it wasn't something that I felt 
the drive for because it wasn't it wasn't my dream it wasn't my goal i was yeah. i just wanted to be able to facilitate yeah. your dream and i think that was that's something important to be able to communicate is and be able to work through is you know even if you have somebody helping you out if it's a a partner or whatever that might not be their dream right um and uh it's it's not that I don't care about what she does or I don't believe in what she does. It's just not my shtick, you know? Yeah. And um, I think like, I think that's okay, by the way, like if you and your partner work together and you know, that's the way it is and that's fine with you. I think that's fine. I just knew my way of thinking about things and my mindset and I was clear about that. And so that's why we decided he wasn't going to work for me anymore. Right. It's like mm-hmm. you can have your partner work for you and not be as committed to the business as you are. If that's, okay with you. And I just knew how I wanted my business to be. And as I've hired people to work with me, my VA Jen, it was one of the first things we talked about was like, Hey, I want your opinions. I want, you know, I want you to be all in and you working for me helped me realize that. And so I have learned Mm -hmm. a lot before hiring my first or second employee or whatever. I got a lot of experience. So both you helping me was helpful, but also the experience of us working together in my business was helpful. So I'm still grateful for it, even if it's no longer the case anymore. Mm-hmm. Okay. I want you to tell for others that are married to entrepreneurs and coaches, like the people that like if the the life coach or the entrepreneur has their partner listening to this, mm-hmm. what advice would you give the partner, right? Whether they're married or they're together, et cetera. What advice would you give to them who's with the entrepreneur and or the coach? Run, run away. What? (laughs) (laughs) Okay. No, I, so honestly, I don't know if people realize how impactful being supportive can be even if it's a word of encouragement or just taking the time to listen to their problems it can make a huge difference and i don't think people necessarily always realize the impact of just listening to what the other person has to say listening to their struggles and listening for the sake of being there with them and to listen not to fix and i think that's a key thing i i remember that there's this video that you showed me a long time ago uh, about the nail it was this this guy and this girl was sitting on the couch and she was trying to talk to him about something she was like oh uh, you know i i've got this pain in my in my head and i just can't go i i can't make it go away and she had like a nail stuck in her forehead mm-hmm. and the guy was just like well we could why don't we just we could just pull the nail out we can just fix the problem here and she's and she just says i i don't i don't want to fix it i just want to talk about the problem and you know from a logical standpoint it, it seems ridiculous when you have a nail stuck in your head. If you're complaining about your head hurting, just pull the nail out and that and fixes says, the problem. It's not, I'll link the video in the show notes, by the way, but yeah. she says, it's not about the nail. Yeah, it's not about the nail. And it took me a while to to learn that, you know, because I was what Paige would call a fixer. And whenever I would hear about problems, my, my immediate reaction would be, okay, what we can, what can we do to fix this? What can we, what do we need to change? What do I need to do? And 
I even to this day, I still struggle with it a little bit, but I've, I've learned a lot more along the way of how to just be an, what do they call it? An, an active listener, right? Um, just mm-hmm. listen to the problem and talk to them about it and don't always be focused on, oh, how do we fix it? How do we fix it? Because I think an important aspect of listening and being supportive is if you are listening to be there in the moment with your partner and share that experience with them and try to help them through it and uh, you know just be supportive, an important piece of that is the empathy. And when you're like, oh, I, I just, let's let's fix it right away. It's not always so simple and it's really not showing a good display of, of empathy, I think. And I, I think that that empathy is a key aspect of being supportive and, and listening as opposed to, uh, you know, fixing can come later. Yeah. Sometimes, you know, sometimes you just got to talk about the nail. Um, well, as, as ridiculous as it may seem, that's just kind of, I guess, human nature. Um, it's wanting to like be to... understood. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Wanting to be understood. Mm-hmm. And I know that was something that I, that was one of the things that I um, learned. And that would be uh, one of my pieces of advice for those uh, married to entrepreneurs or coaches is, you know, I be understanding, even though that might be easier said than done. It does take a little bit of practice. It takes a little bit of trial and error because sometimes you know, it'll, it'll be like, well, what do you want me to do? What, what am I supposed to do? You're coming to me with this. And I, I, you know, my, my hand, I don't know what I'm supposed to do for you. Yeah. And sometimes it's just, I don't want you to do anything. Yeah. I just want you to listen to me mm-hmm. and it, it can be difficult depending on your personality type to just listen and w- without any kind of like intent or goal to stop whatever is causing the problem, I guess you could say. So that would be, I, I think that would be one, one thing is, you know, listening yeah, and um, being supportive and then communicating as well. You know, mm-hmm. we were, and we were talking about like, even, even if you're, if you're, you know, significant other is pursuing a dream and you want to be able to help them, maybe it's not your dream, but you have to be able to talk about that because you're not going to be as invested in the business as they are if it's not your dream. And, you know, you can still be supportive and you can still help. You can still listen. You can still do things to kind of, you know, help out and facilitate the business without trying to make it your own dream. Mm. You know, you can't really shoehorn. What's a good example? So my my sister, right, when when she was younger, she did all kinds of stuff. She did like ice skating and ballet and she was in band and all this other stuff. And I think that one of the things that I saw her struggle with was sometimes our mother would almost treat her like, how do I say this? Almost like a trophy child, right? Like, oh, my kid's doing all these things. And I see a lot of instances and I know that that was a a, a topic of conversation around the um what was that uh there was like a show on on tv i don't know if it was on tv or netflix where they had like they would send their kids to this pageant and it was, basically it was their mothers trying to push 
it was almost like they were trying to push their own dreams onto their children. Mm -hmm. Right. And sometimes um, it would go almost too far. They were, they were like pushing and pushing and getting really aggressive with, Oh, you have to do this. This is what you're going to be. This is what you have to do. And I would imagine that could also be a struggle in some relationships where like, Oh, this is the business this is how we're making our money. You have to follow this dream that my dream is your dream. Now it doesn't always work out that way. And it, it can really make things difficult on the other person. If you don't communicate and you're not really understanding of, you know, this is your dream and I have my own dreams. I can help you out with yours, but it's not mine. Yeah. And it can, I, I can imagine how it would be difficult to have those conversations if, if, if you're not used to being able to talk about that kind of stuff without feeling like you're going to hurt somebody's feelings. Like, oh, you know, you know how much this means to me. And, and you're saying that it's not your dream to it. You know, it doesn't have to be like a negative thing. You know, uh, yeah. that's just one of those delineations that I think is important to be able to talk about. Hopefully that made sense the way that yeah. I put that. Well, it's something that you and I do. I mean, I know I do it for sure. It's like, hey, I'm going to, I'm going to complain about something. Maybe it's mm -hmm. in my business and I'm being really clear that none of this, there's no intention behind my complaint that has anything to do with you. I just need to get this out. And I will start my sentence. I will start my rant with this isn't on you, even though I know you're, you're still going to feel guilty or something, you're still going to try to fix it, but I'll say it. Mm -hmm. And that, I think that's helpful. It's like, Hey, you know, I, I want to do this thing, and I know it, you may not be all in on it, but I'm going to do it. Or I want to be able to talk about this with you. So can we have an open conversation that both of us do our best to not take offense or not like feel like the bad guy or whatever? And we have come a long way in doing that. But I think that's because we both knew that communication was important. Like we inherently knew that and we struggled in the beginning and we have been working on it like for years now. And so now it's, I'm able to say, Hey, don't take this personally. I just need to get this off my chest, especially when it's about the business and you do your best not to take it personally. I think that that delineation is helpful. Like it is for me. And, but I think to your point, the first piece of advice was like, be an active listener. I mean, that is a game changer. Like to have someone like, and I'll come to you and I'll say, I need to talk this out. I need to get this off my chest. I need someone to listen to me. Of course I have my coaches, but I want you too. I want you to be involved and I want you to be a listener in my life. And I want, sometimes I do want your advice and I just like, will come to you and you, you know, usually I'll get your attention first. It's not fair to you if you're busy and I try to get you know, talk to you. But when you do listen to me, it makes me feel so good to one, be heard and two, to be understood. Cause you can't always do the understanding. I know you, you try, like you can't, mm -hmm. you can empathize, but you can't always do the understanding, but you can listen. And that is one of the biggest gifts. I feel like you could give your partner is just be a listener. And like you said, not a fixer. And what's funny is you have worked on that, but I feel like it was just two months ago where I was like, I'm struggling and I need your help. And I remember you were sitting there and you were like, I don't know how to help you. And I was like, figure it out. <laughs> and you, we wrote on the whiteboard together. We watched like some coaching together 
and you did help me oh, yeah. something out. But that was one of those where I was like, no, no, I need you to be a fixer. Help me take the nail out. <laughs> okay. So, okay. So on the, on that note, I, I remember what you're talking about too. If the, so we're sitting here talking about how the, the, the spouse, the other person should be a good active listener and a supporter. Right. But the person who is having the problems, the person who is seeking the help should also be an active listener. Cause do you remember, uh, when we, I, I sat down and we were trying to, to help you get through this, this, uh, this issue that you were having and you were mm -hmm. kind of stuck in a rut and we were like, uh, well, we talked about Stacy. We were like, well, you said that Stacy coached you on this. Let's go back and watch the video. Mm -hmm. And, um, I was like, Stacy gave you some pieces of information to kind of help you with exactly what you're struggling with. And I feel like that like now in the conversation that we're having at the moment, I was watching the video and I could tell that you were also kind of like in your own head because you had like, you were so stressed out about mm -hmm. this the issue drama. that you were having and yeah. you were, you know, the, the drama that uh, it was, you could tell that you were listening to Stacy, but you weren't, you weren't really listening to Stacy. You weren't really listening to what I was trying to provide. And sometimes it just takes a little revisiting, but all I'm saying is the active listening has to take part on both sides. Mm -hmm. Like you remember the little blue ribbon thing that I hated so much where you had to like stand on the square uh, and you were like, okay, it was the active listening exercise. So the person standing on the square, that's their turn to speak. And they talk about their stuff and the other person can't interrupt. And then when they're done, then they switch places. Uh, and then the, it's the other person's other person's turn to talk. It kind of like the talking pillow, you know, like yeah. I, I've got the pillow, I've got the conch. It's my turn to talk, you know, just, it's gotta be from both sides. It's not a one-sided thing, you know, that's a great so point. That be my... <laughs> <laughs> that's a great point. So coming back to advice for the coach, for the entrepreneur, also be an active listener and I think I did say that though, because I think what I said, it was, you know, you have no idea what they're going through. So make sure you're listening to what they have to say too. So that's a good point for both sides. Okay. So we're almost done. I got a specific request for Ivan to answer. What's your favorite thing about Paige? <laughs> and I'll answer that too. What is my favorite thing about Paige? Hmm. You're pretty cute, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> I would say your drive. I think that your drive is was a pretty um enticing thing for me about you. You are very self-driven even, even though you can be difficult on yourself and that you you know you have your struggles just like everybody does. Uh you have a a drive, a sort of fire about you that is uh, quite honestly, um, kind of rare in a lot of people. I think that there are a lot of people who eventually get to the point where the fire goes out. I know I reached that point a lot of times in my past and even recently where I've felt like I've lost my passion. I've lost my fire. I've you know lost my drive. But you, despite all of the struggles that you've had and that we've had, you have a a passion and a drive that I think is very complimenting of your 
personality and um, yeah. it's been helpful for not only your business and I'm sure uh, all of your clients, but for yourself and me and our marriage as well. Yeah. And I, I would say that that's probably one of my favorite things about you. Yeah. Oh, it's so hard to pick. There's just so many things. Okay. <laughs> that was sarcasm. <laughs> I think that you're probably, you know, you're talking to an audience where a lot of them are also driven too. So if you are also similar to me, especially as an entrepreneur, I feel like you have to be driven. Then know oh, that, yeah. you know, that's an awesome thing about you too. I think I get that from my mom though. She's a pretty driven person. I would argue that I got that from her. Mine for you, my favorite thing about you is, and I know you're not going to like this and I'm putting it out there, but you have such a good heart. And it's funny because Ivan doesn't like people or he says he doesn't. He has he has really close friends. He's very loyal, but he doesn't like to meet new people. But he has such a good heart. Like it was one of the first things I could tell about you, even though you act aloof or standoffish and you act like you hate the world. I know better. And I've just made it. I know I still do. <laughs> no, you know, it's funny when you said that, um, I thought back to the question about, um, one of the things that, uh, like what was being married to you like, or what I picked up. Mm -hmm. And, uh, when you said that, I thought about the one scene from the Grinch, the one with Jim Carrey in it, mm -hmm. uh, towards the end where, uh, his heart starts to grow and he's like, Oh, what is this? I'm feeling. <laughs> That's exactly what it was like over time. Um, being married to a life coach is starting to feel, and it was gross at first, and I didn't like it, and I didn't know how to handle it. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yep. And you got there. And you're you're on your way. Yeah. Don't tell anybody this. This isn't this podcast isn't going out to anybody. This is, is going right? to be private. Just, yeah. 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 <laughs> Um, and this, okay. Last question. And then we'll go, uh, this one's from my mom is Paige bossy. She tries to be, she definitely tries to be, I think I'm, I can be pretty bossy. She can be pretty bossy. Yeah. But so can I. So that's, maybe that's why we also <laughs> butt heads. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like when we were talking about doing the podcast and I was like, get on zoom. And he was like, what zoom has terrible audio quality. And I was like, I don't care. It's what we're doing. And you kept arguing right up until we started recording. Mm -hmm. <laughs> we're both bossy. Anyway, <laughs> I was just going to say one last time, like if you can work with your spouse, I know there are a lot of spouses, especially as coaches that work together or even just entrepreneurs I think if you can, that's amazing. And also if you don't like us, that's amazing too, right? You just got to figure out what works best for you. Okay. That's all the questions I have for us. Is there anything else you'd like to say before we close out the podcast to all my wonderful listeners? I guess keep at it, communicate, listen. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's going to be a struggle. Uh, it's not always going to be sunshine and rainbows, but, you know, keep up the drive. Yeah. yeah. I think sometimes it is, though, sunshines and rainbows. And I think that, <laughs> like, for me personally, like coaching my clients is literally my favorite thing to do. I, mm -hmm. I, I just feel like the most amazing feelings when I get off a coaching call. I have the best clients. And... 
so for me, when I struggle and when it's not right, rainbows and daisies, that's what I go back to is like, oh, this is who I'm doing it for. Like, yes, I'm the breadwinner for my family. Yes, I want to make money. Yes, I want to give away money. It's one of my favorite things to do. But what I really want to do is help my clients and help them. Yeah, and that, right? That's that passion I was talking about. Like there's, there's been several times where you'll get off a call and she'll come in, come out of the office and she'll just say, you know, I, I just got off of a really good call. And I'm like, what's that like talking to people and having a good time? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. But yeah so, that's, I think that's the big difference between, you know, being invested in that being the dream as opposed to, you know, somebody who's, you know it's different when you actually enjoy what you do and you really like are 100 percent in on what you do as opposed to just showing up to work just to collect a paycheck kind of thing it's a it's a big difference in how you present yourself how you approach and how you behave i guess yeah and i want to acknowledge my privilege in being able to do that too i mean not everyone has yes everyone has the opportunity to start their own business but also I have a lot of privileges that make it possible for me to quit my job, right? Go full-time as an entrepreneur. And I want to acknowledge that. And I'm work hard, right? But that's one of those things where I acknowledge it and I'm very grateful for it. I'm very grateful for the opportunity to own my own business and not work a job that I don't want to do. And I know there's a lot of people out there who don't have the opportunities or, you know, they don't have the support system that makes it possible to start their own business. So that's, I think I've just a lot of the times full of gratitude because I realize the position I'm in, in this world and in my life makes it possible for me. And Ivan knows this, we've talked about this to do the thing that I'm most passionate about. And it's one of the reasons why I accepted at this time in our lives being the breadwinner is because when he was a breadwinner, it was doing a job that he became less and less passionate about. And I was like, you know what? If I can work doing something I love and make money doing it, then let's do that. And I feel very grateful for that. And also so grateful for you being my support system or a big part of that. And it's why episode 100 I knew I was going to have you come on and talk to the people, but also just being able to say here on the podcast with all my listeners and say, thank you for being my support system and being a big part of what makes it possible that I can do the thing that I'm most passionate about. So thank you. And also thank you for coming on the podcast. People are going to love this episode. They're going to love hearing what you have to say. I know it. Okay. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you all for listening to this. I know this went kind of long, but I just wanted to get um, all your questions answered and both of us had a lot to say. So I know that um, you're going to love this one and I will see you all next time. All right. I hope you loved the interview with my husband. He's amazing. I'm so glad he came on. And I know he was kind of uncomfortable, but he has such amazing opinions. And so I was really glad. And you guys had some really great questions for us to answer. So I hope you enjoyed this one. If you love this episode, if you love the podcast, wherever you listen to podcasts, follow and leave a rating review. It helps people find the podcast and it's the best way to support us as we make this for you for free. 
If you want to hear more about this life of being a coach and entrepreneur, you can always follow me on Instagram at lifecoachpageb, or you can join my weekly newsletter. I actually just changed up the format. It's going to be really fun. Every week you're going to hear different things about both weight loss and also living this entrepreneurial lifestyle. So you can sign up for that by going to pagewoman.com slash services. All right, you all. I will see you next week. Bye.